This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Ramya. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI's on-air community, and everyone's invited. Well, it's a big old Wednesday. Smack dab in the middle of your week, meaning, okay... One half down, let's continue, and we shall, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to our program. We're here weekdays from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Toronto. Hello. Good day to you. Good day. I'm at the uh, studio here in London, Ontario. Before we kicked off the show, we were having a conversation about something we're not doing now in Canada, and that's visiting yard sales. Oh. Have you ever done that? Did you? Is that where I that got stuff? the second end of that convo about everything else gross? Um. Yes. That's okay. exactly what it was. It was the why I would say for me, I would be too afraid to go. This was something my mother used to be a big fan of. And, you know, back in the day, loved to go. And sometimes I think my mother was powered by the idea of buying stuff, getting a deal, talking someone into it. That was fun. But was even funner putting some big-ass price on it and reselling it at her own yard sale. Oh, get out. And letting people talk her down to it. Because we'd say, what are you going to do with that? Quiet. Come on, go okay. eat breakfast. I guess you know, the good thing is she was, wasn't hoarding, but yeah. No. Oh, no, because there was just no way. She would not. It was like a plan, a scheme. She'd be there Friday night. And it's the old days, of course, where you're looking in the paper. Where's there a sale? Oh, there's a street sale here. And, you know, I, when I remember the first time I heard that, I said, a street sale? Why are they selling a street? Why is the city doing that? I was like 10 or 12. No, no, all the houses on the street are doing a yard sale. Mm. And of course, it, for me at that point, it was boring. But as time went on, started to jump in the car and go with my parents and talk people down and pr- it was fun. And then along came bed bugs. Oh. I mean we weren't about roaches, say Kijiji, but, I think, but never mind. No, no, this was even before that we started to oh, worry about that, but even with Kijiji you start worrying, hold on whose house is this in what? But then you started to expand that to the the secondhand stores. Mm. where you start wondering, I hope they go through this. Do you guys go through this stuff and clean it and everything? Not necessarily. <gasps> yeah. So yeah. what was a hobby, and it truly was, kind of took that left turn a little bit for, for me uh, when it comes to it. But, of course, rum, it was not really fun without my mom. When my mom stopped going. The and characters, away, yes. Yeah, yeah, it really was something. And they knew her, and oh, it, was, it was just tremendous. Anyway, that was our pre-show conversation bleeding into the program. Let's get started with what we've got coming up on today's show. Greg David joins us with another history lesson. Man, I missed last week's. This is a TV one, uh, of course. And this week, he's back with the birth It's brief on television drama. I'm so looking forward to this. Also, this Friday, the Disability Collective presents the Sit Down Comedy Show, which features a ridiculously funny lineup full of deaf and um, disabled comedians. We're going to learn more about that with Desiree Walsh. And... How can we avoid employee burnout? Talk about it a lot. And achieve a good work-life balance. Again, one of Ramya's favorites to go to to talk about here on the show. We'll do some conversation on that subject with Alicia Yardley on our employment chat later on in Hour 2. 
So I want to talk about space. We'll go from the yard sales and go up there to space. There's a bit of space junk up there. We always hear about now. That's the new thing. So you're not having a big old yard sale out there. Some Canadian astronauts are getting new assignments today. Francois-Philippe Champagne, the Federal Minister of Innovation, Science and Industry, announced the roles today at the Canadian Space Agency headquarters just south of Montreal. Space, the final frontier. There are currently four active Canadian astronauts, with the most junior pair, Jenny Saidi Gibbons and Joshua Cutrick, selected in 2017. They joined David Saint-Jacques and Jeremy Hansen, both of whom became part of the astronaut corps in 2009. Saint-Jacques spent more than six months aboard the International Space Station in 2018 and 2019, while the other three have yet to fly in space. Hansen is set to take part in the Artemis II mission, which will send a crew of four into space as early as November of next year for a flight around the moon. Lori Paris, the Canadian Press. Of course, I have to comment that Jeremy, being from London, Ontario. Anyway, um, you heard the music there from Star Trek. I submit, Rum, that we could put an argument that William Shatner is that fifth astronaut. <laughs> okay, is that, is that where you wanted to focus? <laughs> He's been in, well, because you don't really, you're not really that interested in space, so I figure <laughs> I gotta go somewhere if I'm running out this Are clip for entertainment me? purposes. Okay. Um, so anyways, yeah, you figure it's him? Well, I'd say he should be. Wouldn't you count? He's been recently into, well, nearer outer space. Yeah, but it's, but it's more about an, like a, not an auction, but yeah, auction in the sense of, you know, highest ahead. bidder, no? Yeah, but go ahead. Say what you really want to say. It's more like being a real astronaut, not a pseudo astronaut. I don't think God, so. Hey, I have it's money. It's blurring. No, it is blurring. <laughs> the more money you have, the more likely you can pretend to be a real astronaut. Yeah, and also what? But isn't that living a in a dream, though? Yeah, isn't that the dream? And I mean, it's a little different than falling asleep, you know, in the backyard on a hammock and dreaming you're in space because he actually went there. Uh -huh. A little, not as far as the Enterprise took him during the series, but yeah, but close enough, right? Close enough, exactly. So he's already so got the William what is Shatner. it, the one point, and now looking for a second. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah I would think so, William Shatner. Honorary. We're putting that out there, folks. I'm just, just saying, I'm kind of curious what some of the people's out there thoughts out on Twitter might be about that one. Well, I, I can almost hear it now. Shut up, Kelly. That's not even remotely close to it. But it's funny because you think about what is, for now, with, with us doing this, constitutes actually entering space. How right. nearer space? And, of course, there is the the answer. And I, I believe he's inner space, in a nearer space. But, uh, yeah, a little fun there with old William Shatner. Let's step aside for a couple of moments, ladies and gentlemen. Rummy and I will be back in uh, two minutes. Question, should you have a copy of all your medical records, especially if you're thinking of sneaking into space? Grant Hardy discusses this on his headline segment next. Don't miss a minute. Kelly and Rummya will be right back. We're back, ladies and gentlemen, wherever you are listening in around the world on AMI-audio. Thanks a lot. Your show begins 4 p.m. Eastern time, repeat at 10 p.m. Eastern and 6 a.m. in the morning on AMI-audio. For the AMI-TV people, we're here live at 2 p.m. Eastern time, 10 p.m. Eastern time, and 1 a.m. in the morning. But, of course, when you sit here and your head's turning, you say, what the heck? You want me to keep track of all those numbers? Go to the podcast. Subscribe. 
and take it in whenever you want. We've got lots for you. I'm at the London, Ontario home studio here. Ramya Muthan in Toronto, hanging out there at the uh, main campus of AMI. And from Vancouver, we welcome in to talk headlines, Grant Hardy. Hey, I'm Grant Hardy, and welcome to the Headlines segment. I tackle everything from health and lifestyle to accessibility and tech. I have it all right here on Kelly and Ramya. No show for us on Monday. We are away on assignment, putting together a special program. This fella is going to be joining us. Are you packed yet, or have you started or even contemplated any of it? <laughs> Monday? Uh, I thought that we're would doing... be the... <laughs> We're, we're doing something different on Monday? Why is, wasn't it? Really no, I'm just... I'm Suitcase, just a backpack, yeah. Mm. <laughs> no, we're I'm really trying to gauge your excitement. Oh, I was just going to say, uh, I'm trying to gauge it. Maybe oh, he's already packed rum. Oh, please now, don't, don't gauge excitement. No, I don't mean, gauge excitement based on packing ahead of time. Yeah, rum? I mean, you know what? I'm... I'm a dude, so let's be honest. I'm like on my way, my shoes on on the way out to the airport. I'm still kind of like, oh, I better just throw this in. My yeah, get my, yeah. <laughs> my toothbrush is the last to go. Yeah. If you were going to Vancouver to do this, would you I'd, have started? Uh, if I need, if my flight was uh, Sunday at 8 p.m., I'd start packing Sunday at 5 p.m. to be at the airport okay. by 6 p.m. Yeah. Um, so oh, that are, makes uh, me feel better. Yeah. No, I never. Are you Are you excited? Oh, I'm really excited. It's going to be an awesome show. Can't wait for people to uh, get their ears and eyes on this and check it out. But more yeah. importantly, I'm, I'm just thrilled to come to Toronto and, and work on it with you guys. It's, it's going to be really amazing. I can't wait to see Grant warming up the audience that's going to be there. Um, I've heard early remarks that maybe in late December this show will air, but those comments, those times will be announced eventually. And we're going to try to get some audio for people who um, were at the event or, you know, and excited before the show start. Beth and Grant will be handling so many different things. <laughs> They'll be doing a show before the show. Wow. Um, Amutin, are you excited? Of course. And I don't have to pack either. Well, maybe and like you don't have to get excited, yeah. That's really. just not multiple fair. tops. Like, yeah. Why? Why did? Why do you guys get off easy on that? I feel like we need to. We need to do this in a location that's different for all of us. Oh so yeah. We all have to travel. In oh my now. god. Just Are we gonna rally off locations now? Yeah. Okay, you're, we'll do it. You're now. making Rumya get excited. We'll Rumya's sitting there thinking, "All right, well, down the Bahamas way." But yeah, can yeah. Can you imagine that? The AMI staff that was just like, "What? I have to bring everything? Oh, wow." Mm. And fly um, out our audience too. We have, we have uh, what, oh, like 40 yeah. people in the audience. That wouldn't be an issue bringing them to the Bahamas or whatever. No. I'm sure we could work it out. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody's rich. Uh, Amuthan's got all the money to do that. Uh, Grant, where are we starting? <laughs> all right. Well, I've got a little bit of a more serious subject, a little more back to the grind before the fun and games on Monday the 27th. Uh, and we're talking about something that I kind of feel like we're all going to agree on. Um but basically, some med medical experts are saying that in this day and age, patients should have a copy of their medical records, a digital copy. And there are a couple of interesting reasons why. First of all, uh, it just gives you immediate digital access so you are informed about what's going on in your own health and your own lives. Uh, but there's another reason, too, which is cyber attacks and cyber security. So it turns out there are some hospitals in Ontario that uh, have suffered a uh, cyber attack, extraordinarily common in this day and age. And it's actually basically taken their systems down. Uh, their systems are 
being quote unquote recovered or whatever that means, I guess some IT person is combing through the backups, looking for the last safe backup they can roll back. And that's not expected to be completed until sometime in December, which means that uh, uh, essentially not only is patient care and sometimes treatments being delayed, but doctors essentially have to rely on patients for information about what medications they're taking, what sort of uh, medical conditions and, and symptoms have been documented in their charts. Uh, so it's, it just puts you at a very vulnerable risk of not having access to that information. So essentially, the experts are arguing, uh, and indeed, it seems like Canada is working on developing a national portal where you would be able to log on, access, and download all of your medical records. And the experts are, are saying that this is really important. Curious about what your thoughts are. I, you know, I guess I can just say for myself, I feel like we've transitioned we're transitioning from this system where doctors just basically give you instructions, like you're going to take this, what comes in this bottle here, and you're going to do this, but not really providing a whole lot of explanation about why. And we're kind of transitioning to more of this model where people feel like they have the right to have more information and more instruction. And this seems like a natural extension of that. Mm. I like it. I like it, except when we run into the same kind of issues or even more jeopardy of you being hacked and your at least your information, your identity being grabbed up. Um, I like the idea because it would help me keep track and understand things. And if I did need to do some research on something, at least get the spelling right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess, um, you know, it would be ideal for us to have access to our own records and make sure that that is something that we're working on to, to have that access and to know what that would actually look like uh, as an experience, as, you know, security, privacy, all these things come up. But also, I wonder how many people will be, or at this point in time, how many people are ready? How many people understand the actual benefits or uh, know-how, like the wherewithal to know what to do, how to access it? Like what happens, Grant, if we come to a point where we are responsible to bring up oh, our stuff? Grief. You know what I mean? Like like right now, the onus is really on the, I don't know, the, the healthcare system. Right. Like if you, for example, in Ontario, if you have an OHIP, a health card, then uh, you bring that up and, and people, whoever's in charge and whatever institution you're at, they will pull up the necessary information. But if it comes down to an incredible shift and now we're responsible for our medical uh, records and, you know, we're responsible to produce them as well. Do you think that can run into its own problems? That's what I'm curious about. Yeah, I mean... I don't know. It's an interesting question, but one related thing that I thought of when I was reading this is, uh, is there kind of a fear that patients, dare I say, and this this is a horrible way to say it, but like, essentially, will it create more contact? Like, are patients mm -hmm. going to be calling up more and saying, I'm curious about this thing that I saw on ah. record. And I, I was almost wondering if maybe that is part of why people have been reluctant to do this. I don't know, though, to be honest, I I feel that there's already kind of an That's what I was going to say, Grant. Patient. 
Yeah, like uh, an onus, but I also think people can get some like results from tests. I mean, again, depending on yeah. the kind of test you're having, right? Like, like for people who have you know diabetes, maybe the, their sugar, their weight, their oh, blood yeah. pressure. Oh yeah, we already of have like access that, to these that things. You can do that, of course. Which is this is an extension to do that. I think, and when we're looking at records, you'd never be able to go in and mess with them. It would be a window to them. But is, would it, I would imagine you... what they're saying. I, I can't imagine you'd be able to mess with your own records yeah. you could falsify stuff you could do stuff that is no you, you they would never allow that look at them my, yep. have access to get to them sorry grant no yeah no exactly my thought is it would it would maybe be similar to for example like transcripts from school where mm. like you absolutely yep. could just put it into a document do whatever you wanted to it whatever but i feel like there would be some sort of like an official you know sign the seal or something like that right Some like a watermark of, yeah that's mm. kind of what i'm imagining and i do feel that the days of kind of being called up and saying like okay you're 30 you're supposed to do this kind of test you we got to get you in for whatever i feel like those days are over anyway you kind of have to fight stuff out a little bit and advocate yeah. for yourself anyway but then there's like technological middlemen, if you will, uh, like Apple Health. That's the biggest example I can think of where you have um, you're able to access parts of your medical history or medical. I'm not sure if it's medical records that the right terminology, but, you know, like parts of your health information, you're able to access it and then provide your own insights as well provide um insights from your apple watch like your wearable devices but also like you said kelly put in input some of the things that you can keep track of yourself like your blood sugar levels it's getting pretty expansive and extensive so i'm wondering if you know all of these things will play nicely together at some point because we're seeing you know telehealth as an example of ways that are shifting um, in the way that we view medicine and like the relationships we have with our practitioners. So at one point, I imagine that all of this is going to be pretty collaborative. I agree that, you know, there's going to yeah. be issues along the way, like, you know, who has access to this? Can you manipulate what the doctor has put in? Is there going to be sections that are yours versus sections that your uh, professional has put in? But also, I, I do think there's a lot more room for us to input medical information ourselves now oh absolutely what and hmm? what 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 kind would you put in i mean i don't mean you like i think like you're saying blood pressure if i was told by my doctor yeah, yeah, yeah. Tracking all of that blood stuff pressures wearable yeah, that, information okay, you know uh, right. uh, yeah exactly yeah. oh of course yeah okay sorry i just yeah, wanted to make I sure think... i was on the same page with you mm -hmm. yeah maybe a, a combination of that Perhaps it would create a better link between that health information and the a data on your end that's technically observable but yeah. is hard to remember. Like, for example, yep. I don't know your your mood journal or you know where yeah. you were, who you hung up with, mm. hung out with your your walking activity, whatever. You could combine yep. that with your yeah, and you could use those tools where it's super difficult to analyze which is the per data. which is the purpose of what we're doing with our phones and everything exactly anyway. it exactly. is for that conjunction whether it's taking your blood pressure whether oh, your oxygen like if you've got to go home and the doctor says you're having trouble with this or that these are all going to eventually be 
a link to alerts to let them know that if something happens, so also they can go back. And if something unfortunate happens to you, they'll be able to go back. What was Ramya doing before this happened? Oh, look at her blood. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so much is new, but there are, like, a lot of ways that these gaps are being bridged, right, in in terms of, like, real-time health information from heart rate to uh, blood pressure to, you know, oxygen levels, as you mentioned, and just anything, um, also di diabetes, like uh, blood sugar levels, there's so much that we can at least keep pros progress of. Uh, and then, you know, as you said, Grant, about that, uh, the question of like reminder, you need to go check this out, check that out because of age or health condition. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of that is becoming automated also. Uh, an example yeah. is just like, you know, you get emails from your doctor now and not the phone calls and the flyers. Or gee, all this stuff, like it sounds terrible, but like, you know what? Every time you visited this location, your, your friend or your work, your, mm -hmm. your partner, whatever, mm -hmm. you had, you know, these these trends in your data maybe are not so positive or yeah. the other but when, we were talking about you cutting down grant on going to those restaurants well doctor <laughs> i just i noticed on the 30th hey no that's not an option we're cutting i'm gonna pause everything when i visit uh you know the, the <laughs> yeah grant <That's> <laughs> i'm just sorry in time. I what happened with this apple watch here <laughs> oh crap how did this get turned off <laughs> I noticed you um, can't shut this off. Bang, bang, bang. Yes, I can. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a new one. All oh, right, pal, that's that awesome. Uh, yeah, no, thank you. Really looking forward to this event on Monday. So excited to see this and film it for everybody. Well, we'll visit with you tomorrow for What in the World. It's a ah, What in the World Thursday. So we'll chat Getting with you then, Grant. Thank you. Okay, cheers. Too excited. Where he doesn't pack on time or early, he gets excited and puts the days ahead. Oh, yeah. Mm. What in the world? Oh, uh, Folks, we'll step aside. Grant Hardy does this on Monday and Wednesdays on the program. We call it Headlines. Greg David, he's with us. We're going to do another lesson on TV. This week, he's back with a brief lesson on the birth of television drama. We'll get into that after this. Stick around and learn something new. Kelly and Ramya return with more in a moment. I get the finger pointed at me all the time for bringing people on this show and putting them on the hot seat, asking them stuff that they have to stop and think, am I allowed to bring that up? Say that? Do, am I allowed to answer that question on the show? Used to be a big thing with the round table when we'd bring David Arrington on around Christmas time, our president CEO and say, okay, David. Yeah. He had like a, about this and that. he had oh. a full security posse around as well. So we couldn't just ask him whatever, but you still managed to to get those questions the uh, remarks from marketing don't ask david about there would be a list of things not to get into <laughs> yeah Rumya Muth, and that's who that lady is here i'm kelly mcdonald host of the program with Rumya here uh bringing you our daily <laughs> daily dose of laughter fun and a lot of serious stuff and sometimes even old time stuff we welcome in uh from our communications department greg david as we talk television I'm Greg David, and I love TV. Join me on Kelly and Ramya, where we talk about the biggest hits, misses, and trends in television and entertainment. Well? Well? You have well, something Mr. to say? David. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's time. Hey, how Come are on, you? Greg. <laughs> yeah, yeah, what else, Greg? That's nice. What else, Greg? 
Sorry, it's just I you think he that. realizes that he stole my intro, Greg, and now he wants somebody to say no, it. No, no, you still have an intro. I want Greg to, to follow the lead of what we started with. He's got something to share with us that probably he shouldn't about Monday since we were talking about oh. it earlier. There's just some little tidbit or something interesting really? Mr. David will have for us. Oh, yes, absolutely. Faith. Well, well, thank you, first of all, to everybody that RSVP'd for a seat to the Kelly and Rumia primetime taping that's taking place on Monday. All of the seats have been filled. Uh, we've actually had to turn a few people away. That's how popular it has been. Really? So yes, we are going to we are going to have a full house at the theater on Monday, November the twenty seventh, for the primetime taping. Um, we're just in the middle of ordering the uh, some some light refreshments for everybody, mm. uh, and uh, yeah, really excited. I'm going to drive in all the way from north of Ottawa to be at this because I wouldn't miss it for the world. Now, did you turn yeah. away more of my friends or Kelly's friends? I don't know. Uh, it was all your gang. No comment. Okay. Kelly's friends. Then. No, 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 so, no, no. It was, uh, no, we didn't, we, yeah, uh, no, it wasn't anybody. Sorry. Yeah, no, I, I, we'll talk about this off see, air. Don't put see, me on the spot. Yeah, I was just going to say, see, what's wrong with you? I never would do that to this poor man. Are you serious? Um, I will say, though, Greg, are we during the show supposed to call out all the parents that are showing? Uh, you Your can parents. if you want. I mean, my parents are excited about attending, and I know that because they're coming now, there's a whole bunch of people, uh, a bunch of family members, which I think is fantastic. Uh, I can't yeah. wait to talk about Ramya with Ramya's mom. Uh-uh. Oh, she's... Um... <laughs> and, and Greg, Ramya's brother's going to be there, too. He'll he may be or may not be there. They may much... or may not be no, there don't anymore. Start all. That doesn't matter. We'll just say all sorts of stuff. It'll get to them. Oh. Her, your brother has to come. I've heard so many stories about your brother on the air. I need oh to guess, please. Yeah. So, anyways, you tell me first whose <laughs> friends you've turned away, and then we'll talk about what kind of <laughs> you dirt you get on the uh, on the air, right? So <laughs> yeah. they'll no longer yeah. be friends. That Greg David guy, he's a jerk. He turned me <laughs> let's, away. Yeah. Let's go through the guest list on the air right now. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Amuthan. Now, speaking of stealing intros. All right. Thanks. Uh -huh. Thank you so much, Kelly. Um. All right, Greg. Think we. We are going to talk about uh, the history of drama, right? TV dramas yeah. today. So, yeah, the the birth of the television drama, which you know, we we spoke a few weeks ago. Maybe it was even last week. We talked about the the um, the history of the of the sitcom, and I kind of went into this thinking that I already knew where the television drama came from, and I really didn't. So. The first sitcom, or sorry, the first drama on television was something called The Queen's Messenger, and it was produced by General Electric, and it was an experiment television broadcast in Schenectady, New York, at a television or at a television a radio station there on September the eleventh, nineteen twenty eight. So nineteen twenty eight. The first ever television drama. It was a radio drama that had been adapted for television, and it was being broadcast with both sound and moving pictures for the very first time. And The Queen's Messenger was about a British diplomat who had a romantic encounter with a mysterious Russian woman who is secretly trying to obtain secret papers that he's carrying in his dispatch case for the Queen. And, uh, this melodrama was selected because it had just two actors, an actor and an actress, and they could alternately select the three television cameras between them and the scene props. So 1928, obviously black and white, an experiment in uh, northern New York State. Incredible.
That's amazing. Like, wow. Now, obviously, it wasn't uh, broadcast on a flat screen TV, right. uh, the Queen's Messenger, in somebody's home. Um, you, you had the technology that was brand new at the time. Let's, let's talk about that, Greg. Yeah, this is fascinating. So if you picture an old-timey radio, so a large box with a very, very small screen that had been built into it. So it was shown on a television that was – it was actually octog octagonally shaped and about 10 inches high and 4 inches in depth. And uh, the front panel upper part had a three inch square aperture through which the moving picture was viewed. And there were knobs on the lower part, which controlled how the radio signals for the television were received. And so you remember, you know, Kelly and I will remember the times where you had to move the rabbit ears around uh, because the signal on the screen wasn't holding, uh, wasn't holding in, in place. So that's what these knobs were, but a very small, small screen. And there were six televisions that were set up around the, the station studios and they were connected by a closed circuit television for newspaper journalists to watch because they brought in a bunch of newspaper journalists to show them this newfangled creation that was that was television. And uh, there were television receivers set up in the transmitting control rooms that received the signal from the air, and it was broadcast from several miles away. And this is funny. In my research, on September the 12th, the day after the broadcast, the Wilkes-Barre Times leader had the following to say, those who viewed the picture were agreed that the demonstration was impressive, although the pictures jumped and flickered. It may, however, they believed, be the forerunner of the radio movie. So mm, that's wow. where they were at wow. that time. They were just thinking about turning radio shows into radio movies. Mm. Sounds pretty foreshadowing to me. And also, we've talked in the past with you many times about the popularity of mystery and crime dramas. Yeah. Crime dramas really got its start in the 1940s. Um, so do you want to talk a little bit about those? Yeah, for sure. So Barney Blake, Police Reporter, was an American crime drama that aired live on NBC from April the 22nd, 1948 to July the 8th of 1948 and NBC claims that it was the first mystery series to air on TV. It was set in New York city and it centered on a police reporter named Barney Blake and uh, his secretary, Jennifer Allen, as they solved criminal cases, uh, Gene O'Donnell played Barney Blake and Judy Parrish played Jennifer Allen. So that's the one show that I wanted to mention, but I also wanted to mention another one called man against crime, which is also known as follow that man. And that ran on CBS and the Dumont Television Network. Uh, uh, CBS, the Dumont Television Network, and NBC from October the 7th, 1949 to June the 27th, 1954. And that starred Ralph Bellamy as Mike Barnett, a New York wow. freelance private eye. Each episode was 30 minutes in length, and there were 122 episodes made. So another one. But this is a cool one that I wanted to mention as well. It's called The Plains Clothesman, Plain Clothesman. And it was the first American police procedural. And that was broadcast on the Dumont Television Network from October 1949 to September of 1954, and it starred a guy named Ken Lynch. And what was interesting about this show is that the camera were his eyes, so you never saw the lieutenant, the the, the plainclothesman's face. The viewer just saw what he saw through the lens of the camera. Oh, and God. so if he lit a cigar, you would see his hand come up toward the camera with a lighted match, and then viewers saw the tip of the cigar in the bottom of their television screen. And if he was knocked <laughs> down, the camera showed the view of him looking the up from the floor. The entire time? Like this yeah. was the camera? Perspective. Get out. 
And if people came up and talked to him, they talked, they spoke right into the camera. So it was like you were the cop, and Hello these were the there. conversations. This does happening. not so. sound great. It does not. I'm still back on the darn oh cigar. God. Could you imagine with a huge yeah. camera like that, when and when you're trying to manipulate with a cigar in your hand, lip showing a wow. Um, Wow, that's, but what a perspective. I love the idea of the fight and getting knocked down. Could you imagine yeah. dancing two people manipulating the camera and both having the drop on their back if he gets punched? Um, well, and the other so thing Greg, about that, yeah, I was just going to mention oh, the technology at the time would have been huge television cameras. So they would have <laughs> had to. That's what I was thinking. They, uh, yeah, they were forklift. they were inventing it. It wasn't somebody with an iPhone lying on the floor. Like they had to manipulate <laughs> no. the camera to look up. Yeah, I don't know how yeah. realistic that looked. <laughs> my goodness. Well, in studio it'd be something else, but I think through the eye for the viewer. Oh my God, what a way! Have you, ever, Greg? You should look for those on YouTube because a bunch of these I think you can find at least yeah. clips of 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 these. Um, let's talk about the because these cop dramas paved the way for a bunch of them in the 1950s. Well-known dramas like Dragnet, The Detectives, and The Untouchables all got their start in the 50s, as did one of the most popular television series in history, Highway yeah. Patrol. Mr. Broderick Crawford, uh, yeah. tell us about this. Yeah, so Highway Patrol starred Broderick Crawford, like you said, Kelly, as Dan Matthews, and he was a gruff and dedicated head of a police force in an unidentified Western state down in the U.S. And the program was based on authentic stories from the files of Highway Patrol headquarters throughout the country. So ripped from the headlines, right? We talk about law and order being ripped from the headlines. Mm. Uh, so was a Highway Patrol. And episodes, of course, dealt with pursuing and arresting criminals such as smugglers and hijackers and thieves. Highway Patrol ran for 156 episodes spanning four TV seasons from 1955 to 19, uh, from 1955 to 1959. And during its run, Highway Patrol featured many actors who would later become successful stars in their own right, uh, among them Stuart Whitman, Clint Eastwood, Robert wow. Conrad, Larry yeah. Hagman from Dallas, Barbara Eden from My I Dream of Jeannie, and Leonard Nimoy from a little show called Star Trek. Mm. Okay, so the genre continued to evolve into the 1960s with the popularity of Route 66 and Columbo, which you think deserves its own discussion. Yeah. Um, but do you want to wrap by talking about The Man from Uncle, which was a spy drama? Yeah, this starred Robert Vaughn. And the reason I wanted to bring it up is because because without it, you wouldn't have had a show uh, called Mission Impossible, which came out several years later. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and you know, Mission Impossible then led to, you know, the feature film uh, franchise that starred Tom Cruise. So it really goes back to the man from Uncle. And that followed secret agents Napoleon Solo, played by Robert Vaughn, and Ilya Karakin, who was played by David McCallum. And he was a Russian spy. And they worked uh, for a secret international counter-espionage and law enforcement agency called UNCLE, which was the United Network Command for Law and Enforcement. And that show kicked off in September of 1964 and ended 105 episodes later in 1968. And I wanted to bring it up because James Bond creator Ian Fleming contributed to mm. The Man from UNCLE after being approached by the co-creator of the show, Norman Felton. And according to the book, The James Bond Films, uh, Ian Fleming proposed two characters, Napoleon Solo and April Dancer. And while I kept Napoleon Solo for The Man from UNCLE, they used the character of April Dancer in the spinoff, The Girl from UNCLE. And the original name for the show was going to be Ian Fleming's Solo. 
and uh, and Solo was going to be the feature of the series. But David McCallum as the Russian Russian agent was such a fan favorite that is that they decided to keep him, and the two of them became a team. And I remember watching The Man from Uncle. Obviously, you know, it was uh, at that point it was in uh, in syndication. I wasn't watching it live, right. but I remember watching that show and thinking about how cool it was at the time, and had no clue that Ian Fleming was so deeply involved in it. Unbelievable, the people that were in so many of these things and this leading to like James Bond and uh, Secret Agent Man, just so many, and even even down to stuff like, um, you know, the Wild Wild West, which had that science fiction kind of spy stuff on it. Uh, you want to tell us where, because we've only scratched the surface, surface of this, where can we, if anywhere, can people go to watch some of this? Yeah, sure. If you have the if you have the CTV app, they offer some of the later crime dramas that we haven't had a chance to talk to talk about, um, like Hunter and T.J. Hooker and Heart to Heart, which were crime dramas in the 1980s uh, that I watched all of those and love them. Uh, and if you've uh, checked out Pluto TV, that's a free ad supported streaming TV service. Uh, Perry Mason and Mission Impossible are both available there. So uh, we talked about sitcoms. There were a lot more sitcoms are available um, out there, but uh, just a few, a handful of, uh, of dramas uh, that you can watch from the, uh, the old days. Fantastic. So we've covered history of sitcoms and history of TV dramas. Appreciate it, Greg. No problem. Thanks so much for having me on. Okay, see you and your folks on Monday. Sounds great. Greg David joining us for TV Talk. That's every other Wednesday here on Kelly and Remia. Coming up, folks, one cancer patient is helping to erase millions in medical debt. Bill Shackleton explains on The Buzz next. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Remia on AMI-tv. Welcome back to the program, folks. Kelly and Ramya here weekdays from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern on AMI-tv on AMI-audio, 4 p.m. Eastern time. So between, let's say, Halloween and Christmas, is there a lull? Is there a time where, for you, you feel kind of like, oh, I can catch my breath? Because no. everybody talks about how busy. There's just so much to do. You really should yeah. have a today to-do list and tick it off and all the things you need to get ready. So you say no. No, like energetically, you. there's there's a lot going on still, right? There's the American Thanksgiving stuff, which even if you're not taking part in it, it's the vibe dominance. is there. Yeah, everyone is, you know, in a congruence with it. And then also... Not to mention Christmas and holiday, like winter holiday festivities start way early, whether we're talking production on the show or just um, figuring out, I don't know, holiday parties, holiday gatherings, holiday everything. The conversations are all in full, full, full swing. So for you, there is not a lull. Black Friday, Cyber Monday, any comments there? Eh, whatever. It's just out there. You can talk about it. <laughs> I don't take part. No, um, the old days when you had to be there, and I know there's still a lot of the door crashers, you're supposed to be there at like six o'clock in the morning, lined up or four in the morning, because there's going to be so many alleged specials that you have no idea of until you'd wait out in the cold and, is this it? Oh yeah, we had two big TVs on sale for like $12. They're gone. So, <laughs> you know, that's that's kind of the whole laugh of it all. Shaq, you take zeros. part in any of the Friday, Black Friday or Cyber Monday stuff now that you're Mr. Wiz with the computer? No, um, no, but I'll tell you one thing that I always do is American Thanksgiving means football. Oh, good grief. 
You knew yeah, that was coming, Amuth, and yeah, you did realize it was I a setup. I said it, for this. yeah. Yeah, you yeah. knew this was a setup to talk does sports, right, Does it mean right, football, Ron? or does it mean day offs, or does it mean beer? I don't know. No, I know it, all the no, above. It doesn't, it doesn't mean day off. I'm a work, it's, it'll be a working day. Oh, yeah. Um, but, but there'll be, be beer involved in your half working in, day half out. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> half in, you know. Yeah. Half in the bag, half I, out. I usually, so, I usually take, ahead, I mean, um, I don't take part in all these, a lot of these specifics. So I can honestly say I can step back a little bit and wait till, till closer to Christmas, you know? So yeah, yeah it, it doesn't, but it doesn't necessarily quiet down. Does it bill? No, for me it does, but I know it doesn't for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the public energy, the down. freaking yeah. Christmas music is everywhere. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Started yeah. right after Halloween. The Ugh. parades have started, right? Like yes. Yeah. Well, your weekends are packing. London has three parades now. Seriously? Unbelievable. Really? That's why, I, well, I complain that the initial one is so small now. There's no bands hardly ever, at all. And then I realized, well, there's two other ones in the city. Um, Billy, uh, for tomorrow, your American Thanksgiving, you'll catch one of the football games, but that's more traditional. Have you ever been to one of them? No, no, no. Um, so that's when things uh, get real quiet afterward. Uh, he just uh, well, kind of goes to yeah, sleep. Apparently, the tailgating is incredible. The tailgate parties so. that they have. Oh, yeah, geez. Imagine the People games just in Dallas. Go nuts. It's just a party. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, it's it's tremendous, Billy. And I, I kind of think it's really interesting because so many so many things are added and so many things are different now. We do the buzz, folks. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday on the program. Bill brings a few things to talk about, sir. Um, we're going to talk about money, Bill, on this first one and the medical profession. Money and medical debt. Um, in death, one cancer patient is helping to raise millions of dollars in medical debt. So essentially what's happening is an, a New York, a Brooklyn woman who died last Sunday, um, she had a wish and that was to help raise people, raise to erase medical debt that people have acquired um, in hospital stays. Now, you, we all know, and I guess you know, that if you get stuck in a hospital, even if you have good insurance, it can cost you thousands of thousands of dollars in debt um, that you're responsible for. I mean, insurance doesn't, even with good insurance, it doesn't necessarily cover, you know, everything you you would, you would need. Mm. So this woman has raised so far half a million dollars in, in uh, to help erase debt. So what the nonprofit is called RIP, the RIP Medical Debt. And the way it works is she, they will buy medical debt from collections agencies, healthcare providers, um, and so on. And then they will buy it at a fraction of the cost. And then they are going to sell it uh, or donate it to people, um, low-income families. So, I mean, this is quite a story. It is such a story, like in so many angles, too, because she's not here to reap the benefits or even to understand the impact. But she knew that this would be huge. Um, So there's like that sadness of of her life having gone. But because of that, the impact for other people is like the pay it forward aspect is enormous. Well, you might you mean she is she'll never know. And this is the unfortunate part. She'll yeah. never know who she saved. But she recognizes, and, right? And, and that's many. part of the story. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Also, like, what what a 
deal. Like we uh, oftentimes, I think you know, there's so much that just goes over our heads because of the the difference of um, um, health system here in Canada and yeah, the way that we just oh, have. Oh yeah, yeah. Like we have so much covered that we don't even have to think about. You know, once in no. a while, if you have to deal with the um, an ambulance bill or the bill for a fire team to come come to your place like then you think whoa you know and that in itself is startling but imagine every dollar not just post treatment or post hospital visits let alone incredible things like uh cancer which for some people can be a lifelong journey but imagine how you have to scrape every penny to have a doctor's visit if you don't have coverage in any way or can't think about insurance for you or your family or your kids or your parents. Like, there's just, um, yeah, like, the, this story doesn't even get into the crooks, into the details of how much people suffer, how suffocating it is to deal with not having medical coverage. Well, you can imagine even if you, the people that don't have insurance, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and a lot of people in the U.S. don't have it, so... I mean, I guess you just, I don't know what you do. Um, oh, yeah. I don't know. You don't get sick. I mean, in the old, there's a saying around AMI, don't ever get sick. I've heard that no. before. Well, and you know what, Billy? It's the don't get sick. And it's also just like you can't afford to, as a lot of people no. say. But then there are those who have the mentality, of, well, I don't really get sick. I don't need to spend the money on medical that my company offers for those that have to pay it that way. Um, because at, at a certain age or a certain time in life, you just feel invincible. And I don't have to wear, I can't afford to throw the money away on that. So you make the choice to not necessarily have help available to you that you might need down yeah. the road. So well, all of these are privileges, scary. depending on where you That's come right. from. Like here we That's think of it. medical care as a right, but if you're in the U.S. And, and in situations where you don't have any coverage, as I said, for yourself or your kids, or uh, have the, you know, I'll, I'll keep my fingers crossed that I won't get sick this year, those are all privileges. For sure they are. Yeah. Next item, sir. Next item. This is really interesting. Censored art from around the world finds a um, place in Spain. There, so there's a museum in Spain that is opened. And, and what it is, is it features art that has been banned for political, sexual, um, and moral grounds. And it's opened, I believe, in October. And there's over 200 works of art, um, including Picasso. And it's it's kind of now, um, I, I there is a place for art. I mean, what what you consider to be art and what I consider to be art maybe are two different things. And what what's the old what's the old saying, Billy? That maybe yeah. maybe consider someone else's junk, right? They yeah, just might yeah, not be able yeah. to appreciate it or want it. Someone else's That's debate. Right. Oof. That's right. Um, so. I'm going to tell you one picture. It, they call it Piss Christ. And it mm -hmm. is a picture of a um, a crucifix that is in a vat of the artist's urine. I mean, oh you, my can God. Understand yeah. you can understand why these are banned. But um, I'm not a favor in favor of banning anything. I mean, I... What the, I mean, if you don't like it, don't don't go. I mean, I think it's... a. I think it's a good idea. There's over 13,000 people that have visited this museum. 
Um, and I wasn't able to get any indication of what some of the people felt. But what wasn't know. it an issue with this um, that they wanted to be sure students weren't going to get be able to go to this? Are you serious? Well, and that was some, and some, Isn't that against yeah, the whole concept of sure. this museum? Yeah, that's to me the whole thing, and and it, it affected members of the LGBTQ community um, and the and the attitudes that that you know some people had in closing things off because you know not everything's of the same kind of. Uh, item is the one Billy just described. But a lot um, of this stuff like, is religious, I, it, though. It's uh, yeah, it is. Sacrilege, yeah, it's, yeah. Guess, yeah, yeah, definitely. But there's there's no um. I didn't see any age restriction to this one. I know the one you're referring to, which we talked about yeah. last week. Oh, okay, that's right. different. That's yeah. a different. Spot. Yeah, that's, yeah, this is a yeah, different that one. Is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this is interesting. There's a drawing of a uh, what did they call it? Oh, new Donald I, Trump. Um, yeah. A punching bag sculpture shaped like a woman's torso, a display of women's uh, high heel shoes standing proudly on a prayer mat, prayer rugs. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, a lot of this stuff is definitely, you know, um, obviously debates on religion. And so you could tell where the debates are coming from or the censorship or, like, the we can't handle this kind of art. Um, Yeah. But as we know, with Banned Books Week, is that what we're still calling it? I feel like it's something different now. Anyways, I think it's called that. Yeah, yeah. As we say with Banned Books Week, you know, the more you try to censor something, and this is like famous for Danielle McLaughlin saying, but like the more we try to censor something, the more intriguing it is to check out these things. So um, that's how it is, right? The more you try to hide it's, art away from people. It's always funny to me. And I can understand if a parent says, look, I don't want my child going in that. And when the child's old enough, they make their decision or whatever you feel. That's fine. But I find it interesting the things we allow people to go and watch in their own homes via television, songs that we scream out and sing. And we're sitting there saying, you can't go see that. Well, again, if you are of the, of a lack of belief, if you stand for some of the things and think, oh, it's a great piece of work showing that torso and whatever, whatever you're you're not hiding these things from people. Whether you try to or not, the realities are people will want to see or how do you get in their head and take it out of there? We don't have that right to do that. And certainly people can imagine a lot, if you want to call it worse, whatever term you wish to use, a lot worse images, a lot stronger images than anyone can create. Yeah. Nobody can create anything. You know, it's just, again, I'm very much like you, Bill. You don't like it, don't want to hear about it, don't tell people about yeah. it, don't suggest someone go Easier to, said than done pay. when you're a parent, though, right? That's right. Because you, know, you want to oh, cover sure. their ears and cover their eyes. That's right. Let's keep them at home. Even from themselves just watch sometimes. everything on Netflix. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's much more wholesome TV for them, right? Right. Some, some yep. is, some isn't. The ones with right? the parent lock but, on it, sure. Yeah, how are you? <laughs> Billy, uh, thanks a lot. Now, one of the things, Billy, I did want to mention, half in the bag. Rumya, that, that could be added to your list of older terms. That's an older term, eh, Billy? Half, half in the, the bag. Half in yeah. the bag. Half okay. in the bag. For That's the way Billy will be after game two I see. tomorrow. I could put two half and two in together the there, I think. Yeah. After, the, after the show. After the show. Oh. Oh, yeah. Smart oh, yeah. man. So, like I said, after game oh, yeah. two. That's Good for you to say that on air. Right? Or else we would have yeah. said allegedly. After the segment. <laughs> yeah. Wonder if, wonder if people believe him. The Buzz, folks, we do this. He'll be back tomorrow before half in the bag for the next edition of The Buzz. That's Bill Shackleton. 
Coming up, folks, on the program in the next hour, how can we avoid employee burnout and achieve a good work-life balance? We chat with Alicia Yardley on our employment chat. And this Friday, the Disability Collective presents the sit-down comedy show, which features a ridiculous lineup of all disabled and deaf comedians. We learn more about this next hour with Desiree Walsh. But up next, the City of Toronto's Adaptive and Inclusive Unit is uh, hosting a holiday market in a few weeks. Stephen Ricci, our community reporter, will tell us more. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. We are commencing hour two of the program. Thanks for being with us wherever you're checking us out around the world. Glad to have you on board. If you're listening in via the podcast, subscribe. And while you're in there, if you don't mind, give us a rating and review. Some nice uh, reviews in there, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for your time and uh, appreciate the patronage of the program. Kelly McDonald here with Ramya Muthan. Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, we start our second hour off with a community report, checking in with our reporters from around the country. They give us disability news, events, things that they're up to as well. So let's see if any of the holiday stuff comes up when we bring on Stephen Ricci. Stephen, you're in Toronto. How's it going? It's going well. How are you guys doing? Doing we're, really uh, well, yeah. We're already experiencing a, a little bit of... Uh, you know, isolated uh, snow flurries oh, in the north oh, of the city. Oh, so. <laughs> oh, did you hear that? I tried to censor him out, folks. So I tried to use the system and block him out. We're not allowed to complain about the weather, apparently. <laughs> oh, I'm not complaining. I, oh, 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 sorry. He likes, oh, that. That's yeah. my, he likes that. That's my bias. Whoops. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I like the <laughs> four seasons. I, I love the four seasons. That's why I Me still too. live here. And down in London, I guess it's a snow belt down there. So mm-hmm. I wonder oh, you know what yeah. to but, talk about it. But you guys have been getting more snow than us lately. It's kind of like, hey. Hey, man, what happened? Somebody moved the planet around a little bit? Oh, oh yeah, we're warming. Uh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah, apparently. Okay, Stephen, we've been talking a yes. lot about IDPD, the International Day of Persons with Disabilities. It's coming up on the of 3rd course. of December. Uh, and in recognition of this, the City of Toronto's Adaptive and Inclusive Unit is hosting a holiday market, which sounds really exciting. It is on the 9th of December, though. Yes, it is going to be the the following weekend, I guess, uh, mm-hmm. Saturday the 9th. It's going to be from 11 to 4, and it's out here in the west side. You know, I'm actually wearing my son uh, worked in that recreation centre at the York Recreation Centre right at Eglinton and Black Creek Drive. It's, it's a rel- relatively new building in space, and it pretty high tech and and uh, he worked right through until the they got sort of shut down at the beginning of the pandemic and um so i'm wearing my city of toronto staff shirt today or actually nice. my son's um <laughs> and there would be uh, great uh, accessibility if the uh, crosstown uh, eglinton was something oh. was was open but <laughs> not yet they still have to figure out how to get the the tracks uh, connected at young street but um it's yeah right at the corner of, of uh, eglinton and black creek um and it's on saturday the 9th and you know they basically are using um you know the uh, the 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 person with disabilities international day as as their sort of uh, theme, and they've they've got uh, vendors there with everything from uh, you know Blue Review is is uh, Children's Hospital is is bringing all their crocheted um, material for sale, and they've got jewelry and they've got soap vendors, but all the vendors are either people with disabilities 
or they are allowing their proceeds to go to the unit um, um, for this particular market and day. So it really is all about, you know, people with disabilities coming together um, and, and selling their wares. A great opportunity to do some, you know, holiday shopping and, and uh, maybe bump into some folks that you know and, and support the community. It's, uh, it's uh, you know, easy to get to. And uh, I think it'll be a great event. I bet you they even have some food. I saw something about, um, you know, berries on there. So I thought oh, of you. <laughs> got hot chocolate, maybe. Yeah, well, hot chocolate's always a, a good one to have. Lots, it, lots it, of it, raisins, too. Yuck. Yeah, lots um, of raisins. So we know that it's going to be vendors uh, featuring people with disabilities. It is the kind of uh, craft and purchasing you can get um, similar to what we know already, like unique handmade, um, I guess, items. Yeah, yeah I think nice. that's that's pretty much for what I what I've seen and what I've been able to find out. It's it's like going to be like piercing uh, homemade jewelry and mm. and the, as I mentioned, the crochet from the the folks over at uh, Blue Review, and you know all that kind of you know sort of um, crafty kind of uh, holiday stuff yeah. uh, that will be great Maybe for stocking stuffers or gifts alone. Yeah. Hands of fire, kind of cool. The hands of fire yeah. Some yeah. Of yeah, yeah, those that, guys, that would yeah. be really cool. Yeah, I mean, I think this is so beautiful, and it's hard to get the head around it because we're so used to the uh, it's an employment fair or it's it's a tech fair and stuff like that. And seeing Stephen Ricci yeah. there, you, you'd have to build a you know a, a a special materials computer to be allowed to be at this one, Stephen. I mean, yeah. other than well, buying gonna, stuff, you know. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to drop by because it literally is nice. only about a, a five minute drive from yeah. our house and. Uh, it is free parking for anyone that is getting a ride with someone, um, and it's easily accessible from TTC. And unlike this the kind so of great. things that we're used to where it's uh, disability fairs for people with disabilities to get informed or, you know, get updated on things that are going on, uh, this would be just opened up to everybody. I think anybody who drops by yep. this kind of thing yeah. would have a lovely yeah, it's, time. It's a, it's a, it's a very busy uh, community center. It's huge. It yeah. reminds me of the big... The big Y down downtown. It, it's yeah, a, it's a okay. massive facility. Um, yeah. When my son worked there, he said, you know, there was just lots of people coming through uh, for all different programs and everything from swimming to basketball and everything else. It's just uh, sort it. of like a flagship community center. I love the supporting. We talk about hey. By local, we talk about support indigenous businesses, and here's this opportunity for folks here to help out some of the uh, persons there with their wares who are disabled or are representing an organization. And you know, big thanks and fedoras off to people who are able to get out there, but also those putting this event together and standing there selling their stuff. Stephen, let's move to your next thing with uh, as we celebrate International Day of Persons with Disabilities with Toronto Public Library and the City of Toronto. This is on November 30th. Yes, that's uh, next Thursday. Uh, so their their uh, event is uh, a hybrid event. They're they're doing it next Thursday uh, from nine thirty. It starts. Uh, you have to register um, to be part of the virtual um, uh, aspect and, and get your credentials to get on that Zoom call. Oh, I, I think it's actually not Zoom, um, if I remember correctly. Um, but uh, nevertheless, I think it's uh, both. You, right? Is it it's okay. both? I think you can do virtual and in person. Yeah, but I don't think the platform is Zoom. But nevertheless, um, it, it is both uh, 9.30 to 11.30 for the virtual and 9.30 oh, yeah. till 12 is the in-person. And this is at Metro Hall. 
Uh, we've we've all probably been to events there before. Really nice to have an in-person uh, piece. That um, there there will be a, a panel discussion, you know, and and they've got three folks um, there. I don't I can't see my notes very well, but they've got three people in the panel that will be you know talking about you know the all of the aspects of the the whole purpose of of the uh, international uh, day of uh, people with disabilities persons with disabilities you know talking about uh, built environments and you know the digital aspect and then and then you know speaking to you know that that whole social psychological economic uh, you know aspects in, in trying to make a, a brighter future for people with disabilities and and how to accomplish that. So it'll be very engaging and uh, I, I hope to get down to that as well. It's it's like oh, I said from uh, from 9:30 to 11:30 and uh, you know I've been to lots of, of these types of events over the years, uh, sometimes exhibiting, sometimes just being in the audience. And I, I've 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 always come back learning something really special. You know, I remember uh, when I first sort of got into this industry, uh, I went to one uh, downtown. I think it was probably at Metro Hall or somewhere. Um, and the the I can't remember his name, but the guy from Tim Hortons, he got up and did a really wonderful presentation. You guys have probably heard it over the oh, years. Yes. You know, yeah. just about you know hiring people with disabilities, especially intellectual disabilities, and and you know his case and and points of 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 just advocating for that. So it's so important to to really understand. And it, you know, you know, in my industry, we work specifically with people with sight loss, you know, as well as hearing loss. But you know, deaf, blind, partially sighted, and blind folks. But you know, um, you know, there is so many different types of disabilities out there, invisible disabilities. So, you know, this is a good opportunity to create awareness and, and really, you know, um, it should be every day, but, uh, you know, it's good to recognize these types of events. As you as you know, every time uh, I come on the show, I, I sort of talk to some of those, those uh, awareness days and the themes of that particular month. Well, and as you mentioned, like, I mean, his talk, I think he had seven Tim Hortons last time we've had him on the network and, and just getting people involved in disability, uh, listening to people speak, the ins inspiration and some of the arguments. Now, I, I came across your panelist list here, uh, Annika yep. Adala. I'm not positive I'm saying Annika's name fully correct there. So my apology, uh, accessibility specialist, parking, uh, uh, excuse me, parking architects limited, uh, Alicia Jarvis. Senior Product Manager, uh, Accessibility Portfolio at Bell, and Joanne Pack, Accessibility Media Specialist. So really, you have some really experienced people to speak on the topics, and that's just tremendous. I, I, I think, Stephen, you'll enjoy it. People will take something away from this. You can't help it. Yeah, you know, it's it, it's you never know who you bump into or mm. what you learn or what you bring home that's or it. you know, and 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 you know, just passing that message forward, you know, pass it on. Cause you know, we, we, we want, we don't want to do this in a vacuum. We want to make sure that, that the awareness is spread around as far as right. and wide. And this is an international uh, event. You know, this is, this is not, you know, just a Canadian event and, and every country has their, their own specific issues and, 
And, you know, um, United Nations, I guess, uh, started this back, what was it, 1992, it created this event. And, you know, it's, um, I, I saw an email um, that uh, there's going to be a special show for AMI on the 3rd, uh, and they were looking for volunteers to participate. So, yeah, you know, yeah. the more that we can all um, get on board, the more we can all make a difference and, and change the world. Exactly. And there's so many facets and elements to talk about, so many angles. We know this, right? The spectrum of uh, topics to bring up around this day. And so a panel like this, which is talking about the economic, this, the tech, the psychology, the social, uh, all of these different things means it's not just the expertise that people are bringing, but like that overall impact of having a more general conversation about what inclusivity is and how we're experiencing it. Stephen, mm -hmm, awesome. Sure. Both of these topics were wonderful. I'm glad we highlighted them today and we'll chat with you next month. Okay. See you and, in December. And I think the name, the name you were trying to come up with was Mark Wafer, by the way, for the gentleman who uh, advocated Aren't? a lot and uh, ran Tim Horton's uh, uh, yeah, restaurant. That was the name. Shops, yeah. yeah. Thank you, Stephen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Have a good month and we'll see you in four weeks. Sounds good. Stephen yeah, Ricci bye -bye. is our community reporter. He joins us from Toronto to give us highlights from around here and a lot of IDPD talk today. So stick around for that um, more leading up to the 3rd of December and onwards. As we step aside for a couple of moments, we return on the other side of the break, folks, uh, when we uh, are able to talk about the disability sit-down comedy show, which features a ridiculous lineup of uh, all disabled and uh, deaf comedians. We'll get into that after this. Don't go away. There's more great conversation with Kelly and Ramya right around the corner. Welcome back to the program. Ramya Muth and Kelly McDonald, hosts of the show. It's Kelly and Ramya. She's at the studio in Toronto. I'm at the home studio, London, Ontario. Great talk with Stephen Ricci. And, you know, Ramya, I think to how often it's so wonderful at times to sit up, listen to people talk who come from experience, who relate to our, our disability community and can speak to us in that way. And just how many people are out there. And a lot of us are trying to grab on, find the things, find that full-time job or where we fit in that world because we have so much to offer. And that panel uh, is a list of people that are doing that, are reaching out and saying, hey, guys, take a listen to this. This is some of the things mm -hmm. I would love to impart and share with you. Oh, God, yeah. And the thing is, like, sometimes we get overwhelmed with how much is there to take in? How much can we offer? This is a huge international initiative. So let's try to soak it all in, you know, and it can feel like there's just too much to focus on any one thing. But what we often have to remember is that someone's story is going to impact someone who's there at that time receiving it. Yes. And that could be, you know, because you're new to disability, because you're in a uh, not so great place at the moment, whatever it is, there's going to be something that resonates with somebody and that's why we put in all these efforts to begin with right the, the little bit of life experience that you might say one little yeah. thing that is or just informational a thing to you that is so important to somebody else that they can take and say i never thought of that or i didn't know Absolutely. about that so yeah tremendous uh we love to joke around on the show we think we're reasonably funny sometimes uh, you do yeah but i want to talk now about some real professional 
funny people, some comics out there. Um, let's get into a cool conversation about this Friday. The Disability Collective presents the Sit Down Comedy Show, which features a ridiculous funny lineup of all disabled and deaf comedians. Now, these guys are really funny. I mean, you're busting a gut listening to them, okay? Joining us to talk more about the night is producer and comedian Desiree Walsh. Desiree, welcome to Kelly and Ramya. Nice to have you on board. Oh, thanks for having me. We are looking forward to this, uh, the information, and of course, getting built up to laugh our way through Friday night. Uh, can we start, though, telling us a little bit about the Disability Collective? Um, the Disability Collective is a group that focuses on, I believe, the performing arts, and they're putting together... Um, this comedy show on Friday at Comedy Bar Danforth at 7 p.m. So when we when we say focus, I mean a lot of that promoting, that getting people to aware of disability artists out there. I mean, that's a lot of it, right? For all lot of us who are interested, hey, where do I go? Who can I talk to? Can I find a mentor? Is this the kind of thing that the collective leads people to kind of connect on that level? Yeah, I, I believe that's what they do. Um, they're about making uh, the performing arts uh, more accessible. I know uh, this past year they partnered with Just for Laughs to try mm -hmm. and make um, the Just for Laughs Comedy Festival more accessible. Um, I believe nice. both as a patron and as a performer as well. Um, oh, and I, nice. I think that's really cool as well. And then they're also... Uh, they promote events that um, are disability-centered as well. Yeah, Just for Laughs was super fun because they wanted to, um, one big component of the Disability Collective's initiative was to find out how people with disabilities are experiencing the festival, right? And it was... Yes. Yeah, like as many people as they could get to uh, feedback on experience of just attending yes. all the different venues and, uh, you know, the concierge of, of it all. Like, are you feeling received? Are you feeling welcomed? And yeah. is the space itself accessible? There were so yeah. many fantastic things to comment on. So that was yeah. lovely. Yeah. Um, so you, you are the producer of uh, this um, Friday night uh, performance, correct? Um, I'm actually not the producer. Oh, I see. Okay. I am. I am a performer on the show. You're performing. But um, the Disability Collective is producing it. Nice. So, how do you feel um, being asked to, or can you talk a little bit about the background of being part of the lineup for this Friday? Um, I'm actually pretty excited. I I am friends with most of the lineup. There's only um, one person that I that I don't know. Um, most of the comedians are actually local to Toronto, which is exciting. Um, and then also majority of the comedians on that show are, I believe, um, not, not male. Um, actually, I know that for a fact. Um, and, and that's, um, that is a great and sort of a rarity in comedy a bit. Like it's still, yeah. It's still a bit of a, a men's game, so it's it's nice that um, on a show that is already sort of showcasing minorities, that also there are um, like female presenting people on that show. Nice. And you nice, said you were nice. familiar with most of the comedians uh, in the lineup. Yeah, yeah, now? yeah. I am. 
Sorry, That's I didn't yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, also, how did you get approached? Were you just asked to perform, or um, did you have any inkling of this kind of thing being uh, put together beforehand? So I, I sort of, my friend uh, Ophira Kalif, who's um, like an improviser and a sketch artist, I think that's what they're called in Toronto, that also uses a wheelchair, apparently recommended me to the uh, collective. Nice. And then they reached out uh, both for the Just for Laughs um, accessibility audit and then also this as well. Cool. Nice. Very, very nice. It sounds like, again, we the, the hardest thing is making sure you're out there and people are knowing to say, hey, get, get Desiree to help out. Um, we want to talk about some of the artists that are involved, but off the sure. top of your head, since, like you said, there's not a lot of, of males, I was going to instantly say to you, so is there a pretty diverse lineup? And I'm still going to ask that, but what I'm thinking now is, of humor. We know humor is very subjective to what I find funny, what you might find funny, but you put a program together like this, you're hoping a good chunk of it, the audience, that it resonates with them. In your knowledge of the, the others and yourself, would you say that audiences will come out really get a good feel because you're going to have people that are going to I'm not sure what to expect it's a bunch of disabled comics <laughs> how do you feel about that and the lineup and what people will experience um so I would say the lineup is diverse um because everybody on the show has a, a different disability so we're getting uh different disability perspectives um there's People who also, like everyone on the show has a different story and a different life and a, um, a different background. So even if, say, we had the, were, there were multiple wheelchair users on the show, um, we'd each have like a different brand of comedy or a style because uh, we live different lives. Right. So true. And with that being said, when you look at how much is being asked, uh, we how long can we expect as an audience member, each one of you to kind of be up there? And we know as disabled people ourselves, yeah, I'm here to hear some funny stuff. You know, no one has to feel they've got to talk or or tell me all, you know, to, uh, like spend all the whole, their whole bit on their disability. Of course, we want people to understand these are funny people talking about yeah. situations, things that dawn on them in life that they want to share like any other comic. Yeah, um, that's true. Um, I know one of the performers, um, like she's a mother, and then uh, one of the other performers I know um, is uh, um, a newcomer to Canada. So it's it's like quite a diverse lineup. Wow. Well, can you tell us about the lineup? What is you know this diverse lineup we're talking? Who else is going to be there? Um, so Courtney Gilmore is on it. Um, and I, some of the listeners may know she was on, um, Canada's Got Talent. Um, and she, she did quite well. She didn't win, but she, she made it to the finals. So that's exciting that she's on it. Um, Rosani Christie's on it. Um, she's actually a friend of mine. Um, and she's a, a Scarborough based comedian and she's a, She's a wife and a mother, and I believe she's also Tamil, um, and she has MS. Um, Courtney is also an amputee. Um, and then Andy Hong is um, also a Toronto-based comedian. She's originally from, I think, China. Um, 
and she's been doing comedy for several years in the Toronto stand-up community and then also she's involved in uh, like sketch and improv as well mm. and then okay. unfortunately I've, I've never met uh, Robert Halton um, but I'm sure he is funny as well and how about awesome. for That's you uh, Desiree, what are you bringing to Friday? Can you tease <laughs> us a little bit about uh, the kind of thing that you, like your comedic style or um, what you're bringing to something like this, which is like the full disability lineup, right? Um, I'm probably bringing a lot of jokes about um, peanut butter sandwiches, <laughs> turning 40, um, my life as a disabled person who uses a wheelchair. Um, I would describe my stand-up comedy style as, um, you know, the kid in the grade six public speech competition that had clearly too much help from an adult to write their speech. Oh, uh, okay. The child... <laughs> that obviously had nobody to help them. It's a combination of those two kids fighting in an adult's body. Interesting. Um, that is how I would uh, nice. describe my comedy style. So That's... yeah, um, it's, it's, I think it's gonna be a fun show. I'm excited. It's very intriguing. Sounds how, like it. How long are you up there for? How long do you have? So I personally, I believe I'm doing 10 to 15 minutes. Um, okay. So I'm excited. Nice. And what uh, was I your last? Know, peanut butter sandwiches is your favorite. <laughs> Pardon? Are peanut butter sandwiches your favorite? Uh, you yes, know, I'm yes, just like, are. wow. Okay. okay. I am. Cool. I am pro peanut oh. butter sandwich. Nice. <laughs> okay. Me too. Um, what was your last gig before this one, Desiree? Like, when did you have a? Did you have a really good show recently that you? Um, that the momentum of it is still with you. Um, I probably did, but because we're live <laughs> on the radio, I can't remember the last time <laughs> I did stand-up, even though I think it was last Thursday, and it, I think it did go quite well. Nice. Do well, you, have... you know what people will say, like, last Thursday, you can't remember? Are you sure it was just a stand-up act? <laughs> yeah. Do you um, have a way that you, because uh, I'm curious, especially because you said you can't remember the last time we did stand-up, but do you have a way that you take notes for jokes? Is it like stories or things that are personal experience for you? Uh, or do you have a more methodical way of, of preparing your jokes um, and stories? So when I, when I wrote, write jokes, I kind of take like... Um, sort of different things that have happened to me. And then I try to think about like, what's funny about that situation or um, like what would be funny in that situation. Um, and like, just sort of pare it down so that it's it's just a quick, funny little antidote. Mm. And do you yeah. try it and out on people? Of... People in your life um, got to deal with your jokes? <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> um, that's what open mics are for. Oh yeah, true. As, as comedians, uh, we're supposed yeah. to go to open mics. And yeah, not it's it's a lot of working families. it, isn't it? It's and it's yeah. a lot of working the joke, right? Uh, Desiree, tell us where people can learn more about Friday night so they can come out to this great lineup of comics. Okay, um, you can learn more at my Instagram, which is Desiree.Lisa.Walsh.Underscore, and then you can also. I'm just going to look up real quick the, because uh, I want to get this right, 
it's the disability collective also on instagram you can Perfect. find information about the show there um yeah. and a quick you. google That's search great. for sit down comedy shows. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. oh it's called yes it's called the sit down comedy show it's at comedy bar danforth nice on thank uh, you the 24th at 7 p.m yeah. okay Desiree, thank you so much. Appreciate it. People, Google it up, folks. Get out no there. Problem. Give that support. And thanks to you guys for putting such a, you know, what's anticipated, a wonderful show, of course. We know that. And just making yourselves available and bringing us your smiles and everything. It'll be awesome. Good luck. All the best. Oh, thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. That was producer, uh, or sorry, excuse me, comedian uh, Desiree Welsh joining us to talk about the sit-down comedy show, which is this Friday, 7 p.m., as we mentioned, at Comedy Bar on Danforth in Toronto. It's also available online, live stream, so if you're not in the Toronto area, folks, you can still catch all these great comics. Up next, how can we avoid employee burnout and achieve a great work-life balance? We chat with Alicia Yardley on our employment segment in two minutes. It's fun, insightful, and inclusive. Kelly and Ramya return in a minute. I love when we find out about collectives, um, people spreading the word on art, spreading the word on interest, people who have, it's just the way to go, whether you're, we had Jacob on yesterday on voices, whether say you're, you're editing music, editing productions, podcasts, whatever it might be. I just love that network of people who relate to it, who can say, yeah, this is what product we use to do this. This is the kind of comedy we have as, as a group we're trying to put together or getting the word out there. I, I find always, I don't want to say safety in numbers, but that voice, that, Unified voice rum, right? The unified voice. So, so tremendous. And Fedora's off to that gang. And Disability Collective, by the way, it's... it feels like a small but mighty group. They've been doing mm-hmm. so much with live theater, especially in Toronto. Um, whether the theater experience is innately accessible or it's just uh, uh, people trying their best to get accessibility moving. Uh, also, different right. theater spaces are now, uh, as soon as you go into the theater space, you know that there's going to be the disability collective presence there, which is so nice. Like when it becomes a trusted, reliable experience for. Uh, Torontonians with disabilities to say, hey, I want to go check out an art, um, you know, experience. I wonder, uh, I don't have to wonder. I know which spaces are going to have this available to me. You have the resource. And so many places, I know years ago, we try to do different things and you had to do some of this business, gather that research to show, hey, we need grants for this. We need to get things started. So there's accessibility this way or another or places that were saying, listen, I now know there's a program to get access to make this place more accessible through government money and whatever. Mm. And that all started from organizations like this saying, we'll gather the information and we'll get it into you. We'll do the legwork. And we are so much richer because of that. Right? Absolutely. And it's work in progress. We all know that. But sometimes so it's so. hard and to. And it will be. Eh? Yeah. But sometimes it's hard to digest because we're like, we want everything right now. And then. Now. Like, now. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. This performance is available with audio description. But why did only two people show up in a, you know, sea full of blind people? Well, why is there only one show? Or yeah. when it's, and, and yeah. you know, and yeah. it's at two o'clock. I would like the evening works for me. You know, the, it's so hard to please everybody and to get it to where it worked without you starting to say, well, it's only 
only Kelly and Rumya sitting there. Uh, Maybe this isn't worthwhile financially, although, and you don't want to hear that. The, the process of trust is a big one for the community, right? To be able Build to... Build it, exactly. and they shall come. Hopefully, eventually. Um, we talk some kind of employment on Wednesdays at this time, and today we have our once-a-month visit with Alicia Yardley. Hi, I'm Alicia Yardley, your HR specialist. Join me for career and employment advice right here on Kelly and Ramya. Alicia, it's nice to have you back. Thanks for having me. I was uh, on vacation last month, and so I was in sunny Cancun, and now I'm mm. in gray oh. Toronto. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, are you going back to Cancun? Because, you know... It sounds nicer over there. No, no, she's desiring to go back to Cancun, especially with all our dark that we've had in Toronto dark, through dreary. Southwest Ontario. Really dark, dark, dreary. I, I've said that I really think we need to set up a satellite HR office there. Um, <laughs> so satellite I, production know, studios, everything. Yeah, it, that's going to be really important going forward, guys. So yeah, I am please. working on it. Um, I've got a meeting with David. We'll see. Thanks. Memo, David, we're moving can, the whole network. Yeah, you could both come on our next <laughs> roundtable and we'll ask you probing questions about this initiative. Am I Cancun? Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> okay, so Alicia, this is kind of um, not just small talk because we're talking about employee wellness, especially around this time of year. Uh, there's so much more mental health and emotional awareness for us to bring up in context of work, in employment and flexibility, all these different things. So let's talk about the changes. Is there significant change in employee wellness when we get to this fall, this winter, and how so? Oh, 100%. I think everybody is aware of the, you know, the February blahs. Yep. But I, I think as we get further into the fall, the days get shorter, they get darker. Um, you know, people have a lot of things that they might need to wrap up at work. And so people are stressed, they're burned out. Um, people are feeling pretty over it. Um, and then, you know, there's the excitement of Christmas. Um which again, for some people might bring some maybe less than happy memories. And then in mm -hmm. January, I think there's the after, yeah, the after Christmas and New Year's effect. So, you know, the fall and winter can be very hard months for Canadians um, or anybody really living in a Northern climate. And I think for employees, that's where employee mental health will definitely change. It's interesting because I think about what time of the year seems to be the toughest. You'll always hear people say, well, Christmas is a tough time. There's so many different reasons or or dark November or, you know, when it gets mm -hmm. to the spring for some people, it's, it's, or, or excuse me, the, the over the winter time. Um, we don't seem to hear or say a lot about the summer in that, but there's got to be people that struggle w with those times too. Um, and different parts of the world, uh, uh, these times are going to be different as well. So with the weather... And people inside a lot more. Do you feel that it affects that work-life balance? I think it does um, because I think as people are inside more, people don't feel as much like they want to go out. Um, yeah. What happens is that people dedicate more time to their work um, because it's something to do. Um, and I think that was something that we noticed when people were working from home. Um, 
you know, it, 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 that was very challenging for people uh, to separate work and home. And I think that's something as we deal with a post-COVID employment uh, paradigm, I think that that is something that we're going to continue to see. Um, you know, I, I know for, for me, and I'm not saying that this is good, um, but if I'm doing like a staycation, if I'm, you know, taking a day off and I, you know, I really, I'll know that I really need it, but um, I will check my email because it's like, just in case something happened and then boom, I'm maybe sucked into something. Um, and then it's, oh, well, I should really work on this one thing. And, and so then it's like my own work-life balance um, will mm -hmm. go out the window. And so, and I think that is something that I hear from, you know, people out, you know, from friends, from people in different industries is that there, there's a really big challenge when you're not really going out, you're not really, um, going out with friends and, and you may be as well, but um, when it's a little bit more of that, like homey wanting to just kind of stay home, it's going to be a lot harder to separate and, and just sign off for the night. Yeah. Yeah. And depending yeah, on especially how working from home. Yes, exactly. Because depending on how you've already felt about work, like let's say you used to be the person that goes into the office five days a week and then circumstances have drastically changed for you, th there's almost this underlying anxiety, right, um, that comes with making sure you're showing that you're dedicated to work, making sure that you're checking yeah. in with your teams. Like you might feel that as an employee, you got to do more to keep in contact. And it could easily be something as... Um, you know, straightforward as you miss everybody, like you miss the office, you miss the people. So that can bleed into all these other circumstances, Alicia, as you point out, including like, oh, I want to just catch up on this one quick project or uh, I want to work ahead on this one quick thing. And yeah, it, you have to like, I guess, enforce your own boundaries, which is way easier yeah. said than done when it's just gray, gray area. And I felt that when I started working from home years ago, before everybody mm -hmm. else was, I had yeah. the privilege of being yeah. a Londoner working in Toronto. I would feel I've got to be accountable. I've got to make sure I'm reachable it, to where it got to a fault. And and even at times when, hey, man, hold it, I'm off the clock. Yeah. yeah. What, I uh -huh. totally agree with you. Um, just, yeah, it's it's that difficulty in remembering. And Rami, I, I like what you said about setting your own boundaries, um, which is easier said than done. And so for for me personally, I've had to just shut my phone off and like put it mm -hmm. away so that I'm not looking at it. Um, I'm sometimes though, I don't follow my own rule, even though I will tell employees that they should do that. Right. Um, so it is, it's, it's very hard when you're just accountable to yourself. And, um, you know, I think to what I might do is I, I tell my mother that I have a day off. And um, so then if, I'm telling her about like something that's happening at work. She'll be like, it's your day off. What are you doing? So having my mom. Yeah. 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 Time too. Like I used to struggle with the fact that I had various times. Sometimes I worked on weekends. Sometimes I worked right. in the evening when I started doing TV and I would lose perspective of a day off of a working time. And it was a real struggle. Right. And it's not always a bad thing either, right? Like we have to no, remember no. that no. flexibility is becoming more of a, a broader or vague conversation around, you know, sometimes I may not be available on the Monday morning, but I worked ahead on the Sunday night or something like that. Like be, people are more, uh, it, we're having more like, individual or catered conversations on and how these things are working as well, right, Alicia?
Absolutely. And and that's why I'm seeing a lot more emails uh, when I talk to people that they say my working hours may not be your working hours. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I have friends that, um, you know, they might slack a little bit on a Monday morning, but then they're working until nine o'clock at In night and that's what works for right. them. They're getting their work done. Yeah. Um, I think where, and, and I think that is perfectly fine. And it, it, honestly, there have been times it's a Sunday. I just got back from the gym and I'll think, oh, I just had this really great idea about training. And so it, like, I think that is totally fine. I think where we run into trouble is when somebody is doing it just to prove their worth to the company, or if it's because I don't want to feel alone. So I need to connect to work in this way. Mm-hmm. And the thing we have to, um, I guess, discuss with all of this context in mind is burnout. So let's talk about what it is. What is burnout? How do I know if I'm experiencing it? And where do I go? Like, how do I get supported through something like this? Yeah, so burnout is something that we talk a lot about. Um, and it is a huge concern um, amongst HR circles. Um, it, burnout is basically when you have no gas left in the tank, emotionally, physically, you are just done. Um, and it, that can lead to anxiety. Um, it can lead to what we call presenteeism, where you're at your office or you're at your desk, but you're not really doing anything um, because it's just very hard to focus. Um, there are people that uh, will, you know, cry there. You might have fits of crying, anxiety, depression, um, thoughts about, well, what is, you know, am I a good employee? So you're questioning yourself. Um, the, burnout is really just, again, it's, it's having no gas left in your tank um, and just not being able to pull really from any reserves. And it is not someone's fault for getting burned out. Um, they didn't do anything to cause it. It just, it, it, it happens to people. Unfortunately, it doesn't mean they're bad people or good people. It just is, unfortunately, when we don't prioritize work-life balance or, you know, if work-life balance isn't sometimes a luxury that's afforded to people, right. it is a lot easier to yeah. reach that burnout stage. Oh, and it sucks well, we that also, we still have to think of it as luxury for work-life right. balance, or, right? Or, or you're weak yeah. or what's wrong with you because you can't do, why are you burned out? You're working the same as everyone else. People, we, we've got to remember we're individuals and things get done and are done differently, aren't they? Absolutely. And, and I think this is where um, invisible disabilities sometimes, um, because burnout can be, can lead to, you know, disability in terms of anxiety, yes. depression, mental health disabilities. And so sometimes there is a lack of understanding or a stigma surrounding, well, you must be doing something wrong or, well, why weren't you doing X or, you know, why did you take on so many projects when you knew it would lead to burnout? People, people do things for a variety of reasons. And, you know, I think we just need to 
be mindful of where our own reserves are. Um, like I say to people, um, you know, you can't pour from an empty cup, um, you know, and even on an airplane, um, you put on your own oxygen mask before you put on someone else's. And so it's really important to practice that self-care um, because once burnout happens, um, it can be very hard to come back from, um, you know, somebody might need like time off um, in the form of vacation. It could even lead to a short-term disability claim. Um, so it, it does cost organizations. Um, it can lead to, you know, like I said, distractions, stuff not getting done. Um, so it, it is a really important thing to be thinking about, um, you know, in, in ourselves and then in our organization yes. as well. Absolutely. Like an organizational stance on burnout or the conversations being transparent as we're having them now, because if you don't feel like your organization, your employer supports these kinds of conversations and the vulnerabilities of, hey, I I feel overwhelmed, um, then that's a that's a different part of the discussion. Alicia, that's it for this month. We'll catch you back in December. Okay, great. Thank you very much for having me, as always. Thank you. We always appreciate these conversations. Alicia Yard. Yeah, I am working on that office. Cancun, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Not Alicia. just for HR. <laughs> Yardley joining us from our HR department here at AMI, and she comes on once a month. In a moment, we'll wrap up the show. We'll see what's happening on uh, Now with Dave Brown, their show on at 9 a.m. in the morning. And we have our closing moment and tell you a little bit about what the Thursday edition of our show will be after this. We'll be back with more of Kelly and Ramya after this short break. Hey, folks, as we always say at this time, yeah, we're about done, but still a little more. We want to tell you about a few things happening. First thing, check out the podcast. We toss on an audio vanity card and Beth Deer today providing that to us. Tomorrow, Irene, our director, provides one for us. So all sorts of different voices. You can find those at the end of the full Kelly and Rumia podcast. Subscribe using your favorite podcast platform. Again, thanks for some of the wonderful comments as people have reviewed the, the, the podcast. We thank you very much for doing so and appreciate whenever you can, folks, if you can take a couple of moments to do so. Also available via podcast is now with Dave Brown. Rumya has an idea of what they're doing tomorrow on their program. You can watch it on AMI-tv. Yes, I do. Thursday morning, 9 a.m. Eastern, we have Marco Flalo from Access Tech Live talking about two tech companies who've partnered together to create a pair of uh, virtual reality glasses for people who are hard hard of hearing or deaf. That's going to be very intriguing to learn about. Also, community reporter Nathan Clemens won a gold medal on the winning day of the para-cycling competition. That's currently taking place at the Para-Pan Am Games in Santiago, Chile. We're going to learn more about that, as well as an update of how he's doing uh, in preparation for his upcoming race. Looking forward to it. And entertainment critic Michael McNeely will review the movie The Creator. Find out all about what that is tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Time on AMI-tv on Now with Dave Brown. Good heavens, a busy, busy Thursday morning on the program. So uh, enjoy, folks. Appreciate it. We'll tell you a little bit shortly what we've got for you beginning at 2 p.m. Eastern time. Hang in, but I have to pose this question. If you worked around food, Ramya, worked in a kitchen, do you see yourself as that person who would never stop eating or get sick of the food? 
Oh, I don't think I get sick of the food, but I'd never stop eating. Like, if I was hungry and the food was just available all day, all the time, be You'd be cooking bad. yourself specials, moving around <sighs> the, the menu of the, the restaurant. The would be unreal. I'd probably get fired. Okay. Well, I kind of wonder how you'd do if, with this situation. At our closing moment today, folks, it was a way to get a bigger pizza pie. A hungry cook has pizza mongers on edge out there after revealing a sneaky way to steal a, cust a piece of a customer's pizza pie <laughs> without them noticing. Now, he detailed his surreptitious slice-swiping method in a TikTok video with over 3.4 million views. So lots of people learning the lesson here. The no. Bizarro Food Tutorial shows TikTok user and Pizza Pro Jay Ryan removing a za out of an oven, putting it... Za. I guess that's the nickname for pizza, right? Yeah. Uh, so he puts it on the counter. Then... The cheese sneak sneakily swipes a strip out of the middle with a pizza cutter. Nice, neat, right? Nice, neat as you please. Before seamlessly moving the two remaining halves back oh, into place. Oh, that's brilliant. Womp, womp. You don't notice. You have no idea because you it's get just a your pizza. pizza. Hot. <gasps> But you wouldn't know. And meanwhile, Rumya in the kitchen all day is eating sliced strips of pizza. Yeah. And that, it would only have to be an inch <laughs> or so wide or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You eat, you know, four, rip off four or five customers that way. You're full until You could do it time. crossways, too. You could do a, a, a um, vertical and a horizontal the, strip and the, then just squeeze the, the four remaining quarters together. I love well, it. Well, and then you know, who's going to notice? Because you're cutting up the pizza for them anyway. That's because, what I'm saying. Because you're a wonderful and person. Also, you're going to cut the eight slice. Yeah, whatever. And also, you don't even get, like, even slices to begin slice? with, right? Like, no, there's always don't. bigger you pieces, smaller know. pieces. Nobody would That's know. That's right. Absolutely not. And he goes on TikTok, Art. tells everyone, this is what we're doing. This is how to do it. I, know. I wonder how many pizza cutters have sold now. Like, that's oh. a lot of people seeing the video. <laughs> I wonder how many stores are sold out. Of hey. Pizza cutters. Luckily, yeah, I already have one that I never use, but it's there. Well, in case I now. ever needed it. So, I don't know Romeo, why we'll start now out. inviting people over for pizza, homemade pizza. Telling them I don't want to slice so I don't have to pitch in. It. And then just yeah. take pieces of the pizza strips. And putting it together. You wow. can't do this with a party pizza, though, eh? Like the square no, no, slices? No. 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 Uh, I don't know. I unless mean, you, you really, take a whole in theory, row. You could, as long as you can knit it take back it together. Row. But the reality is it doesn't matter if you put it back together. Because as you say, cutting it up anyway into the box. You'd have to notice, like, Here's the edges pizza. of the pizza to know, hey, this seems smaller than usual. Like, this you had to zoom out. doesn't come together, right? Mm -hmm. But you would never notice. Wow. Folks, coming up tomorrow on the program, Audible released the second installment to the Sherlock Holmes uh, series. Uh, excuse me, Universe. Michael Fair will be here with his thoughts on the silent order. Content development specialist in Edmonton, Jim Crisco, is going to be joining us on this week's roundtable. That's when Kelly uh, sneaks us up with topics and discussions. I like the Sherlock Holmes universe there and the uh, silent order. I love this. This, mm. this sounds so mysterious. Holmes and his snuff box. We'll see you tomorrow, <laughs> folks. Talk, Holmes and more at 2 p.m. Eastern.
Hi everyone, it is Beth Deer here with the Kelly and Ramia show. This week I wanted to tell you all that myself and Grant Hardy have finally got our travel booked and will officially be coming to the live event on November 27th. We are so excited. It sounds like it is going to be so much fun. We had a meeting first thing this morning and we went through all the segments and all the contributors and honestly I am so pumped. We have some really fantastic guests, obviously Grant and myself being two of them, (laughs) but it sounds yeah like we are gonna have a jam-packed show with some really really fun people. Um I'm also very excited because I have been working my guide dog Patronus a little bit. If you have listened to any of my previous vanity cards, you will know that my poor little guide dog Peppatronus, his name's actually Patronus, but he has a million nicknames. Um, he has had a lot of health issues and he was kind of teetering on retirement for quite some time actually, uh, since about April. So yeah, like a long time. Um, but today I worked him and he was so excited and he still does work really well. I just don't think, unfortunately, I don't think that his speed is where it used to be and like his stamina too, which is partly obviously because he hasn't been working but also he is getting older too like he's you know he's god he's just past seven which I think the average kind of working life for a guide dog is about eight um obviously after that they have retirement and you know live the great life of a pet dog although I think a lot of the dogs especially In my case, I think Patronus will be very, very sad if he isn't working anymore. But for now, it does look like he will be. And I'm really praying and crossing my fingers that he will be coming and flying with me on Sunday. Um, We're going to get in Sunday and then we're staying in a hotel Sunday night. And then Monday, it's a 10.30 start for the team. And I think everyone is very excited. I just cannot wait to actually be with the people I talk to every single day um, over the phone. Like we have a half an hour long meeting every single morning, Monday to Friday. Um, And yeah, I feel like I know them all so well, but we've never met in person, which just feels so strange. But that is just the way of the world after COVID. And that's just the new normal, if you will. So yeah, I know I've said it a million times, but I am so excited and I can't wait to see lots of you there. Hopefully, um, please come and talk to us and say hi. I am actually going to be looking for people to do interviews with. So if that's something that interview in interviews, <laughs> if that's something that interests anyone having an interview with me, <laughs> please let me know and I'll be more than happy to have a chat with you. Anyway. Have a good one, everyone. Bye-bye. Join me every couple weeks for the Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther podcast, where we learn about outdoor tech and tips. Plus, we look at news affecting the environment. AMI's Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther is available from your favorite podcast provider.